Psalms chapter 133, a beautiful psalm, a very, very timely psalm, because this Sabbath is a special Sabbath. It is a men's ministry Sabbath. And we want to give God glory and praise for all the men of our churches and in our community that God has blessed us. Psalms 133 has a blessed, blessed promise, talks about the blessed unity of the people of God. Behold, it says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the beard, running down on the beard, on the head, running down the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings and life forevermore. With this beautiful thought, I'd like to welcome you all once again in our midst, and I uh, pray and uh, uh, that God will continue to bless you and your families. Let me just quickly run through the program uh, for our divine service. Our opening song will be uh, taken by Elder Owen. The intercessory prayer will be done by Brother um, Devon James. Our offertory will be taken by um, Brother Paul Marapa. A children's story uh, this morning will be taken by Elder Michael Overs. Scripture reading will be done by Brother Nathan. A special song by Elder Junior Jackman. Our sermon this morning will be taken by Elder Ameka. And the title of his message is, God is calling all men. God is calling all men. We have a closing song by Brother Jim Wallace. We have a benediction by Elder Ameka. We have our vote of thong, uh, thanks given to us by Elder Moses. We pray that God will continue to bless us as we go through this program. I have two announcements to be made. This afternoon at half three, this afternoon at half three, the men's ministry program will continue. All are welcome to join this program, especially um, all the men. We request all the men to participate in this program. Um, the Youth Week of Prayer will commence on the 21st of June. Youth Week of Prayer on 21st of June to 25th of June. We request all the youth to please take note of these announcements. Uh, may the Lord continue to bless us as we worship the Lord on this special day while the men take uh, uh, an active role because it's the men's ministry today. Before we go any further, let me just read something <coughs> in your hearing, please. Submit the will to God. Submit the will to God. And this is especially for all the men in our church. To the man who is a husband, and a father, I would say, be sure that a pure, holy atmosphere surrounds your soul. You are to learn daily of Christ. Bring your will into submission to the will of God, to all in your power to make the life of your wife pleasant and happy. Take the word of God as a man of your counsel. In the home, live out the teachings 
of the word. Then you will live them out in the church and will take them with you to your place of business. Angels of God will cooperate with you, helping you to reveal Christ to the world. With this beautiful thought, I'd like to extend a warm and hearty welcome once again to all of you, and may the God's presence be with you as we worship the Lord in truth and in spirit. Amen. so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus said the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing blood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Saviour, friend, and I know that thou art with me, will be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him all and all. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. Let us bow our heads as we invite God into our midst at this time. Let us pray. Our gracious, eternal Father, we give you thanks once more for your loving kindness, your goodness towards us. You have kept us through the week, has brought us to another Sabbath where we can realize that you are our creator, 
you are our sustainer. The Lord, you says, the heaven declare the glory of God. And the firmament show it your handiwork. Help us, Lord, that we may just humble ourselves this morning and serve you as we are to. We pray in a very special way, Lord, for today's program. We thank you for leading us thus far from morning until now. Has brought us to another divine service. We pray in a very special way for our brothers and sisters. An extra special prayer, dear Lord, for our men today, our men's ministry. We ask, dear Lord, that you may be with us. Help us that, that we may lead, be an example for our ladies, our sisters. Help us, Lord, give us the function, Lord, to function the way you want us to do. We, we ask that, that you may help us to lead at our workplace, at our home, at our church, so that others may follow us through Jesus Christ. We ask the Lord in a very special way that you may be with us in a very special way for our speaker. Speaker for today, who you have chosen to break of the bread of life and to us, Elder Emika. We ask the Lord that you may give him a double portion of your Holy Spirit. Be with him in a very special way, Lord, that, help that we may not see him, but we may see Jesus speaking through him. And help, Lord, that we may take that message seriously, because we know that you have a word for us, especially for our men. So we ask the Lord that we may rest our assurance in your word. And help us in a very special way, the Lord, that when today's come to its close, we will not say, we will all say, it was good for us to be here. We thank you for listening to us and thank you for answering our prayer. And we pray in a very special way that when time and hurt shall be no more, we pray, dear Lord, that we will not run to the rock for a hiding place, but all of us will look up, look to you, look in your face. We always say, Lo, this is our God. This is our God. We have long wait for you, waited for you. So, Lord, save us into your kingdom, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Before I offer the offertory prayer, I just want to read uh, three verses from the Bible, which is taken from the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter nine, verse six, seven, and eight. Second uh, uh, Corinthians, uh, chapter nine, verse six, seven, and eight, and it reads: Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Shall we pray? 
Mighty God in heaven, what a privilege and a blessing to come before thee and worship thee on this wonderful Sabbath day, Lord. Although the walls of the church are still closed, yet, Lord, your Sabbath, your church remains open. We thank you, Lord, for the privileges and the opportunities and making uh, this available where we could still come and worship you and keep the Sabbath holy, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the health and strength. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts, the talents, the skills that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you, Lord, for the employment whereby we are able to work, earn, meet our daily needs. And yet, Jesus, we are still able to give a portion of your blessings to you. We pray that thou will bless all the offerings, all the tithes, all the givings of everyone, Jesus. May all these givings be utilized, may it be used wisely, carefully, to bring glory, honor, and for your work, Jesus. We pray that you will bless every giver, the ones who have contributed, uh, even though during these unchallenging, unprecedented times and difficult times, Jesus, our members continue to give, Jesus. So therefore, we ask you that you will bless every hand, every household, every family, that you'll bless the hand you work, Jesus. You'll bless their employment, bless their families, and bless their household, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you continue to shower upon, oh, Jesus. Lord, we, do, we, do, we deserve nothing from you, but yet you continue to gracefully bless us each day, each moment. And we praise you. We thank you, Lord. We ask you that you will help us to utilize our gifts of giving. You will help us to use our talents, skills, our handiworks, and strength only to you, and to, to bring glory and honor to you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for all our men who are here joined today, Jesus. Lord, we have failed you in many ways, and we have not done, we have not been a good example, good fathers, good brother for Jesus. But we thank you for bringing this day, whereby you're able to remind us that we as men, we, need, we got a role to do, we got a role to play, and we got a responsibility as fathers, as men in the house and as brothers in the house, Jesus, to play a wider role, Jesus. And we ask you that you will help us to look up to you for examples, to look up to you, to follow your footsteps, and to help us, Lord, to do the right thing uh, and the right way, Jesus. We ask you that you will forgive us, Jesus. We as men, we are not perfect, oh Lord. We continue to fail you every single day. But we thank you, Lord, for everlasting love. We thank you, Lord, for the blood that you shed upon us, for even for us men here, Jesus. And we ask you that you help us, Lord, to live a, a life that is pleasant, not only in our households, but in your presence. We thank you for everything you've done. Continue to remain with us through this Sabbath hour and also through this Sabbath day. We ask you that you will bless everyone who are here, bless all the church members, visitors, and guests, wherever they have joined us, Jesus. We thank you and praise you. We ask all these mercies in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Uh, good morning, everybody, uh, boys and girls. Um, it's the first time I've ever done a children's uh, story, so um, I pray that the message in today's story will um, speak to you all and it's for all boys and girls and uh, bigger adults as well, uh, men and women amongst us. This is an old story um, that Ellen G. White used to 
to tell. Um, it's called uh, The Keeper of the Light. And it's set, it's a true, based on a true story, and it, it happened a long, long time ago on the south coast of England. Now, it's about a, a, a little girl called Mary. And her dad was the keeper of a lighthouse on the coast on a very dangerous stretch of, um, of coastline. Now, the light of the lamps in these, these old lighthouses shone at night, as they still do today with a more modern way, to guide the ships on their way and to keep them off of the dangerous rocks and the shoals. The lighthouse was there and seemed to say, take care, sailors, for rocks and sands are here. Keep a good lookout and mind how you sail or you will be lost. So one afternoon, Mary was in the lighthouse alone. Her father had already trimmed the lamps and they were ready for lighting when the darkness came at evening, evening time. Now he needed to, to go and buy some food from uh, across on the, 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 the land, mainland. So to do that, he had to cross the causeway, which led to the, the sort of the raised island that the, the lighthouse was located on. This causeway was a path over the rocks and the sands, which could only be used for a few hours in the day. At all other times, the water, the sea rose and covered it. Now, on this occasion, uh, uh, Mary's dad had intended to hasten home before the tide flowed back over the, this pathway. Night was soon coming on, and it, was, it, could, it, it seemed as if a storm was rising on the sea. The waves were dashing against the rocks, and the wind was moaning around the tower. So if you can, you can picture that, it's quite, um, quite a sort of daunting scene. Now, unfortunately, Mary's mother had died um, a year or so previously. Um, and though, obviously, when her father wasn't with her, she was left alone. But he had told her not to be afraid for he would soon return. Now, there were some bad, rough-looking men hidden behind a rock who were watching Mary's father, and, and they watched him as he went over the causeway to the land, to the shops. Now, who were they? These men were known as wreckers. Uh, who lurked around the coast, and there were many of them in these days, in, in late, uh, early Victorian times. Now, if a vessel, a ship, was driven on the rocks by a storm, they would rush down, not to help the sailors, but to rob them and to plunder all the goods that were on and the riches that were on the ships. So these men had wicked intentions in their heart, and they knew that a little girl was left alone in the lighthouse. They planned to keep her dad on the shore all night because they knew that there were ships filled with rich, many riches that were expected to pass the point before the morning. And they knew that if the light did not shine, that the ships, some of the ships would run aground upon the rocks and be wrecked. How cruel and wicked they were to seek the death of the men and women on those ships so that they could um, gain from it. Now, 
Mary's father had finished his shopping, he'd filled his basket and he was preparing to return back across uh, the causeway to the lighthouse. Now, as he drew near to the road leading to the causeway, the wreckers suddenly rushed from their hiding place and then threw him to the ground. They quickly bound his hands and feet with ropes and carried him into a shed where he had to lie until morning. It was in vain that he shouted for them to set him free. They only mocked, his, mocked him in distress and they left him in the charge of two men while they ran back to the shore. Oh, Mary, what will you do? cried the father as he lay in the shed. There will be no one to light the lamps. Ships may be wrecked and sailors may be, may, may be lost. Now, Mary was looking from the narrow window in the lighthouse toward the shore. And she'd be, she was thinking it was time for her father to have returned. When the clock in the little room struck six, she knew that the water would soon be passing over the causeway. Another hour passed. The clock struck seven and Mary still looked towards the beach, but her father was nowhere to be seen. By the time it was eight o'clock, the tide was virtually over the causeway. Only little bits of rock here and there were showing above the water. Oh, oh father, please hurry, cried Mary as though her dad could hear her. Have you forgotten your little girl? But the only answer was the noise of the waters as they rose higher and higher and the roar of the wind as it gave notice of the coming storm. Surely there would be no lights from the lighthouse that night. Now Mary thought of what her mum used to tell her. She, she used to say, we should pray in every time of need. So quickly, she knelt and prayed for help. Oh, Lord, show me what to do and bless my father and bring him home safe. So the water was now over the causeway. The sun had set more than an hour ago. And as the moon rose, black storm clouds came and covered it from sight. Now the wreckers were walking along the shore, looking for some ship to strike the rocks. They hoped that the sailors, not seeing the lights, would think that they were far out at sea. At this moment, Mary decided that she should try and light the lamps. But what could a little girl do? The lamps were far above her reach, but she got matches and carried a small stepladder to the spot. And after much effort, she found that the lamps were still too far above her head. Then she got a small table and put the stepladder on it. And I don't suggest, children, that you try this one at home. We, we trust that the Lord was protecting her through this. Um, but although she climbed again, the lights were still out of the, the wicks, so the lights were still out of her reach. If I had a stick, she thought, I could tie a match to it and then I could set a light to the wicks. But there was no stick to be found. Now the storm was raging with almost hurricane force. The sailors at sea were looking along the coast for the light. Where could it be? Had they sailed in the wrong direction? They were lost and they knew not which way to steer. 
All this time, Mary's dad was praying that God would take care of his child in the dark and lonely lighthouse. Mary was very frightened and lonely, and she was about to sit down again. But then a thought struck her. There was the old Bible in the room below. And in those days, Bibles were huge. They were great, big, thick, huge books. But how could she step on that book? It was God's holy word that her mum had loved to read. Yet the thought came to her. It is to save life. And she said, if, if, if mother were here, she, would she not allow me to take it? Quickly, she went and she managed somehow to carry the large book and brought and placed it under the steps. And up she climbed once more. Yes, finally, she was high enough. She was able to touch one wick with a lighted match, then another and another until the rays of the lamps shone brightly far out above the dark waters. At this point, her dad saw the light as he lay in the shed, and he thanked, he thanked God for sending help in the hour of danger. The sailors saw the light and had time to steer their ships away from the rocks and from the coast. The wreckers, of course, also saw the light and how angry they were to see that their evil plot had failed. All that stormy night, the lamps cast their rays over the foam and raging sea. And when morning came, Mary's dad was able to escape from the shed. Soon he reached the lighthouse and found out how his little girl had stood faithful to duty in the dark hours of the storm. So I hope that you can learn from that lesson that no matter what we're faced with in times of trouble, God is always there. God is always available and he will show us the right thing to do. We shouldn't look to our own, to the people, the things of this world. We should always look to God because he won't let us down. And that is the faith that we need. So I hope as we uh, worship and enjoy the rest of this Sabbath day, we can take that thought away and we can, put it into practice in our daily lives. I'll just say a short prayer to close. I love you, Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. We thank you for the message in this story. Let us all be brave. and Let us all um, look to our Lord and Father through Jesus Christ. Whatever difficulties, whatever, um, how much the odds seem to be against us, Lord, we know that we can look to you in prayer. And if we wait on you, Lord, that you will show us the right path. We thank you, Lord, that you can allow us and a little girl like Mary all those years ago to overcome the evil of others in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. We pray in thanksgiving. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Nathan. And today's scripture reading will be taken from Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me and on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one.
May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Um, hello, church. I have a few official announcements to make. Um, uh, because this coming week is uh, <clears throat> um, Youth Week of Prayer, I ask uh, the prayer ministry leaders to consider your program uh, so that uh, everyone can support the youth ministry in their uh, week of prayer. Um, because uh, the lockdown is, is uh, being postponed to the end of July, and we have to reconsider the reopening date of our churches. And I can't do myself alone, so I need uh, your respective church approval uh, to be uh, <clears throat> confirmed another day. Therefore, uh, we have to uh, meet the business meeting uh, as well as possible. Therefore, um, tomorrow at 7 o'clock uh, evening, Chumsworth Church business meeting will be in the same Zoom. So all the Chumsworth members, please uh, meet in this Zoom tomorrow, 7 o'clock, to uh, finalize the new date for the reopening of the church. And Monday, uh, Braintree Church will meet in the Zoom, 8.30 evening. Okay, so all the Braintree members, please make note that uh, tomorrow, I mean, uh, Monday uh, evening, 8.30, we will meet in the Zoom to finalize the reopening date. And the following day, Tuesday, Molden Church at 8.30 will meet in the Zoom. <clears throat> then finally, on Wednesday, Basildon Church uh, will meet at 8.30 p.m. after the uh, meeting. So... Um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have Chumsworth, we have Braintree, and we have uh, Malden and Basildon. So please don't ignore, as it is very important uh, agenda to be minuted. So please kindly come along. We will have a very short meeting to re-confirm uh, uh, our new date. So God bless you, and uh, let's follow it up. Thank you. And we will have a special song now by Brother... Uh, Junior Jackman. Every day they pass me by I can see it their eyes, lonely people filled with kids, heading who knows where.
Happy Sabbath to everyone and welcome to this day, Men's Day. The Lord has made this day and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, can I see all men, including those hiding behind the screen? Men, including young people. You know, we when we say men, we also include our young ones because they are also going to be men one day. You know, they said from boys to men. And um, it is our duty as men, as fathers, to bring them up and 
because they are looking at us as uh, their role model. So I just want to um, say welcome to everyone, those who are watching from uh, whatever medium, um, our visitors, our friends and family who are watching, I want to welcome you to this special Men's Day. You know, um, the Men's Day is a day to appreciate and celebrate our men, both young and old in our churches. It is a day to encourage them. It is a day to also appeal to men who have somehow, somewhere lost their way and they have shirked their responsibility as fathers and as men. It is a time to call them back where they have backslidden because God is calling all men. Men's Day is also a day to appreciate our fathers who do a tremendous job in you know, keeping the family together and providing for their needs. So I want to say happy Father's Day in advance to our fathers in the house. God bless you for the work that you do and we appreciate you all. It is also a day that we appreciate our women, our wives, who without them, we are lost. Today, we want to say we appreciate you and we pray that God will continue to bless you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we cannot do without you. And so, God bless you all. Mm -hmm. I also want all the men, you know, they say men are hard and they don't smile. So I want to see smiles from every man in the house. A smile from your faces. Thank you very much. We are not that hard, you know, we are soft in, our, in, our, in us. If you, you just need to touch the right places and you see the weakness you know, so I'm sure our wives know the places to get, you know, to get a hold of us. So to, today we're going to continue with our theme. Um, God is calling all men. You know, we had um, um, Judges chapter 6 uh, last night. And today we're going to continue with Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. I know the um, uh, scripture reading... Is from Ezekiel 22 verse 30 and it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap for me as uh, on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I pray that God will not come to us and not find anybody in Jesus' name. So we're going to read, come with me to Judges chapter 7, and we're going to read from 15 to 21 as we continue with this story about this man of valor, Gideon. And as you know, the title of the sermon is God's Calling for All Men. God is calling on seeking for men, all men, both in the church and in the world. I will find out a place for man in this world. Judges chapter 7, verse 15 to 21. I'm going to read, and it says, When Gideon heard the account of the dream 
and its interpretation, he bowed down in worship. Then he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of the Midian into your hand. He divided the 300 men into three companies and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me, then do likewise. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. When I and all of the men who are in, in, uh, with me bow, blow the trumpet, then all around the camp, you also blow the trumpets and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. When the guard had just been changed and they blew the trumpets and smashed his pictures that were in their hands. When three companies blew the trumpets and blew the, uh, broke the pictures, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow. And they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. 21, then each one, each man stood in his place around the camp, the entire Midianites, and they ran, crying out as they fled. This is the account of what happened. You know, men in general have become reluctant warriors in a social revolution. Men everywhere are wanting to find their places in the world. Most of us grew up in a, a, a world that was very different from the world that we inhabit right now. Our fathers you know, brought home the salaries and the wages and carried out the garbage. Our mothers raised us kids and, and kept the house clean. At church, our fathers went to men's Bible studies, Bible class, and debated on last day events, while our mothers went downstairs and to, to help the children try to make it through the, 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 the first days in church. In church business meetings, our fathers argue over whether to rebuild or re-roof re re the personage, and our mothers sat at their sides in dutiful, presumably, presumably uh, biblical silence. Not all of that has changed, but the evidence is clear that in all of this, there is, there is a clear change. Middle class lifestyle requires two salaries, not one. And working mothers who in more than one cases is bringing home half the salary is beginning to expect working fathers to change half the diapers and run the vacuum cleaners half the time. 
the church is also changing much more slowly but just as surely women are no longer silent men no longer make all the decisions and down in the nursery men are expected to take a turn just like women always have but men do it reluctantly most men know they ought to do more to raise their children but that doesn't mean they really want to most men will move more and move over and, 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 and admit women's voices to the important decision-making processes of the church but that doesn't mean they really want to at the moment the church is deciding whether or not to ordain women as ministers and to include them in the church administration and things like that we're still fighting over that and the reason for the reluctance is that so many women sitting in places traditionally reserved for men and so many men having to sit in places traditionally reserved uh, for women frankly makes us men uncomfortable it is threatening it is challenging it can be humiliating and it makes us wonder just what is a man's place in the world and in the church does he have an exclusive role anymore if so what is it I will suggest to you that there are three solutions. There are three um, arguments. There are three um, statements here. And I will go through them one after the other. The first one is that a man's place is to be a volunteer for the betterment of life. Two, a man's place is to remain on spiritual alert. And three, a man's place is to set his world a standard of obedience to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that there is another opportunity that we can speak. You can speak through me to your people and especially the men that you brought a message to every one of us. As I empty myself, Lord, may you fill me with your spirit that I may speak words that will reach the hearts of everyone who is listening. Lord, you have done it in the past. You have given me another chance. Speak through me, Lord. I pray that this message will go to reach the hearts of men and pierce like the two-edged sword that at the end, Lord, we would find answer the call that you're making. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. First, a man's place is to be a volunteer for the betterment of life. In Judges chapter 7, verses 15 to 21, as we read, every man was 
a volunteer. It's a pioneer trait. A bam band needs building and all able-bodied men turn out to get it done. The Russians are coming and every man leaves his plow and shoulders a musket. Well, it was not the Russians who were threatening Gideon and the children of God, but the Midianites. The people of Israel had done what was evil in the sight of God and God had placed them under the thumb of the Midians. Now Midian was bearing down upon them so, to, I mean, to vanquish them. And she was camped in the valley of Jezreel, preparing for the final onslaught. When God called upon Gideon to sound the alarm, 32,000 men showed up at Mount Gilead to answer the, th the threat. Now that is what it means to be a man. Sadly, however, not all of them proved to be real men. Almost two-thirds showed no firm conviction and were permitted to go home. Gideon knew what it meant to have strong convictions, for he himself had to be drafted into this service by God. Yet he knew his army needed to be all volunteers. The volunteer army, you see, has a, a great motivation and commitment than any army that is full of draftees. Volunteers believe in their cause and step forward without being coerced. God wants men to be volunteers, not draftees. Of all the whinings that may be heard in the land today, probably the loudest and longest and most grating is that which comes from us men who complain about women taking our places. Can you believe it? They are only doing the same work that we are doing and they have the goal to expect the same pay. And just because we expect them to know about retail sales and computers and 40 hours work week, they think we should learn about baby formulas and whinings, uh, Winnie the Pooh, and even how to load the dishwasher. What's ever happened to the days when man's home was his castle and his throne was the recliner in front of the television? Is nothing sacred anymore? Now hear me out. If any woman has occupied any place that God had really intended for any man to have, it has been because that man refused to step forward and volunteer his services. In the first place, he thought it should be reserved for him because it was a man's job and he would do it when he got round to it. And in the second place, when he got round to it, he still wanted to be begged to do it. And if he was successfully drafted, he wanted to remain free to do the job as well 
or as poorly as he liked. After all, he is a man. That was an exclusive club and membership was uh, had its privileges. God's purposes will not be defeated because men expect to be begged and conscripted or because men want special places to be reserved for them in the home or in the church or in the world. If a man won't do it, then a woman will. If we men want to find our places in the church or in the world, we must surrender all notions of our great necessity and our profound privilege. We must aggressively and generously volunteer to do those things that we believe we can do better than anybody else in the world. Along the way, we must admit that God in his redemptive way has used the failure of us men to gain for women a bigger piece of the action. This is God's justice and God's business. We are not going to turn it around and head it in the other direction. And for that reason, we should spend our energy on something that would, that will help us. For now, we face a new day. It will involve men in childcare and dishwashing. It will involve women in breadwinning and decision-making. God is using this new day to get men back into the home and to get women to be productive in a world marketplace which needs their special touch. Men need to re-enlist in their true places in God's church and in God's world. Because women are finding their places in the church and in the world too, it is not likely that we will ever return to the day of yore in terms of male-female roles. But we can take place, we can take places of production, of productive service to the world and to the family and to the church and to our God. A man's place, a man's place is to be a volunteer for the betterment of life. Secondly, a man's place is to remain on spiritual alert. A man's place is to remain on spiritual alert. Gideon's army was alert, equipped and ready to go. God insisted that the army be vigilant. He had the corollary purpose of trimming its ranks far below the 12,000 figure in order to display his own strength. The test he chose to have Gideon administer was a test designed to determine who among the 12,000 was alert. After all, the Midianites lay encamped only a few miles to the north. A man must remain watchful. When most lay aside their weapons and put their faces down to drink, Gideon knew 
they were not God's men for this task. I'm sure you can remember how this happened. There were people who were asked, I mean, they went to drink and God used that to separate those he wanted, those who lapped and those who, who bent down in the water to drink. So when most lay aside their weapons and put their faces to the water, Gideon knew they were not God's men for that task. So only the 300 men who kept their hands, their heads up and drank from their cupped hands while they kept the watch were acceptable. Gideon equipped the 300 men strangely as 11,700 men headed for home, he appropriated their earthenware jars, their torches, and their trumpets. He placed a torch inside each jar and issued a jar and a trumpet to each man. These would be the weapons that the force of 300 would use against their mighty army. This ordinance seemed unusual and ineffective in the face of such an adversity and adversary, but it was the ordinance of God's choice. God wants us to be alert to his voice and prepare for action. The failure of men today is not that we do not have our eyes upon our, our enemies, but that we do not have our eyes upon God. Prayer and meditation are the means by which a man will see God. But these are activities that men, by and large, have surrendered to women. Is it any accident that the prayer chains in our churches is the women's prayer chain? Or that, the most, that most of the people who sing in our choir are female? Or that the groups that gather to pray for missions are women's prayer groups? Or that if I attempt to honor our long-standing tradition of having mostly men to pray publicly in the midweek prayer services, I would frequently run out of men before I run out of prayers. Prayer is no longer a man's fixation we men have our eyes upon something besides prayer because we have our eyes upon something else beside God. Gideon's men must have looked with intense suspicion upon those jars with torches inside them and upon those trumpets. Wouldn't these be puny, anemic weapons against a formidable foe like Midian? Christian men today look with intense suspicion upon prayer, upon music and praise, upon mission study and upon the power of the preaching and the teaching of God's word. Not that we never practice any of this or don't believe that it should be done, just that all of it appears to be inadequate ammunition for facing the worldly foe that we daily encounter. 
better to rely upon our own manly intelligence, our own powers of persuasion, our own willingness to work 60 and, and 70 hours, our own dogged determination and high pressure, blood pressure to get the job done. In demonstration of the fact that uh, they were real men and that Gideon and the Lord had not made a mistake in their selection, the little army of big men dutifully shouldered their trumpets and their clay jars and began the march down the mountain and into the valley. A man's place is to remain spiritually alert. A man's place is to create a better life. The last part, the last point is that a man's place is to set a world standard of obedience to God. Every man in Gideon's army found his place. As we read in Judges chapter 1, verse, chapter 7, 30, verse 21, the last verse of our reading, they stood every man in his place. At the outskirts of the Midian encampment, there was to be no charge, no force, no fury. There were not even any words of, for, for the overcoming of the adversary. On cue from Gideon and the men in company A, all 300 soldiers blew their trumpets, broke their jars, and held aloft alighted torches. They together sounded the battle cry. A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. This sound and light show so shocked, startled and confused the foes that their members began running, drew their swords upon each other and hacked each other to pieces. The important thing to observe is that each man in Gideon's army did exactly as he was instructed. Obedience is the most essential part of faith. To trust is to obey. The final analysis, in the final analysis, a man's place is the same as anybody's place. Obedience to God's call and claim upon his life. I don't know my place anymore, we men will say. I don't know what's expected of me. I don't know where I fit in. God's word teaches us men our place. God's word calls a man to spiritual leadership and headship in his home. That doesn't mean he calls all of that doesn't mean that he makes all of the decisions any more than it frees him from giving back to babies and reading bedtime stories. It doesn't mean that he sets his family a standard of obedience uh, to, to, uh, to, to God. It does mean that he sets his family a standard of obedience to God, I meant to say. 
if anybody in the family is faithful to God, he is. If anybody wants prayers to be said and scriptures to be read, he does. If anyone insists the family rise up and attend the church that Jesus loves, he insists. If anybody tithes the family income, he tithes. One, once at church, God calls a man to responsible manhood under the headship of Jesus Christ. Children and youth, whether they have a faithful father back home or not, need for Christian men to set the standard of obedience to God. If the young ever learn what it means to relate to God as a father, they will learn it by relating to one of God's faithful men. God is looking for and calling men. Will you answer? Will you respond with a yes, Lord, send me? Ezekiel 22, verse 20, says, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap between me for the land that I might not destroy it because I found no man. Even the causary reading of scripture reveals that God is looking for men. First Timothy Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, an elder or deacon, it is a fine work he desires to do. Second Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 2 says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be who will be enabled to teach others also. God is calling and looking for men with humble hearts, men who will sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ, and who will stand in the gap as servant leaders for their families and for Christ's church. Robert Coleman put it this way in his book, Master Plan of Evangelism, page 21. He says, it all started by Jesus calling a few men to follow him. His concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. Men were to be his method of winning the world to God. The church needs an intentional strategy to reach men, because if you reach a man, you reach his whole family. A changed man, will influence a marriage 
and a family. A changed family will influence the neighborhood and a community. A changed community will influence a state and a nation. A changed nation will change, will help change the world. It all begins with a changed man. This is also a call for wives, mothers, grandmothers, and aunties. Get the men in your life, both young and old, to wake up from their slumber and take their places in the church. We acknowledge how powerful our women are, what they are able to do in the lives of men. Remember the story of Abigail and Nabal, Samson and Delilah, and so on and so forth. Men must be called and equipped to be spiritual leaders if the church is ever going to, be to fulfill the Great Commission. The church is the hope of the world and men are the hope of the church. God is calling and looking for men. God is looking for you. Will you be like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 verse 8 and say to the Lord, here I am, send me. John Wesley says, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and desires nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. I pray that God will call forth a new generation of men who will simply, humbly, and sacrificially follow their Lord Jesus with hearts devoted to the glory of God. God's calling all men today. Will you be one of them who will sincerely respond and take their place in their families, in the church, and in the community? And in the world. May our, may our answer be yes. By the grace of God. It's my prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest stars and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty bear bowed down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, our 
pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels. field and where the skies a patchment wait where every stalk on earth a quilt and every man ascribed by trade to write the love of God above who drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the old who stretch from sky to sky oh, and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and Elder, you have to unmute. Okay. Uh, sorry. All right. I've been trying to unmute myself. Okay, let's pray. Father, we men were the first to see the beauty of this world when it was created. We were the first to receive direct instruction from you and you gave us a double responsibility before you gave us a helpmate. Lord God, we have failed as men in checking our responsibility and running away from that responsibility that you have given to us. And today, Lord, we want to confess and ask that you will have mercy upon us for we have failed Lord, we are committing ourselves to you once again that you will rekindle, rekindle in us that desire to do your will, to take up the responsibility that you've given unto us, the responsibility of being volunteers, the responsibility of being spiritually alert, 
and this responsibility, Lord, of um, building your uh, obedience in the world, setting the standard for obedience in the world. Lord, we pray especially for our men whose wives are active in the church, but their husbands seem to be taking the back seat. They seem to be singing a different tune when they are supposed to be the priests and director of their homes. Lord, we pray especially for these ones that you will reach out, reach out to them in a special way, that you will arrest them just like you arrested Saul of Tarsus. That they will take up their responsibility as men. Father, we pray for the few who are in the church already, Lord. For the effort that they are making, for the um, for the gifts that you've given them and for the responsibility that they're taking on. Father, there are few of us who are outnumbered by women. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us to maintain the standard of righteousness, the standard of obedience that you've given to us. We pray also, Lord, for our young men, our children, who we are role models to. Lord, we are the Christ and Jesus and God that they see. Help us that we may be good role models to them, that we may bring them in the nurture of the Lord. Father, as we bring them up and teaching them in the way of the Lord, may you help us that we as well will not fall apart, mm -hmm. that we will stand strong and be able to present our families faultless before you when thou shalt come in the clouds of heaven. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray for your pouring of your Holy Spirit because we cannot do this of our own. The world is changing and there's a whole of, a lot of demands. Lord, as we have seen, the place of a man is changing. Lord, we pray that you help us to maintain it but we cannot do it without your spirit. And so I pray that all the men, young and old, listening to the sound of my voice, Lord, that you imbue them with power from above and fill them fresh with the, the power of your Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. that they will do exploits for you, Lord, mm -hmm. that they will not shirk in their responsibilities as men of the church, men in their communities, men in their homes and men in the world. And when thou shalt come in the class of heaven, Lord, we shall receive that felicitation saying, well done, good servants. Mm -hmm. You have done me proud. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is our prayer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. Praise God uh, for the way um, he has used Elder um, Emeka to deliver the message um, to God's people, those who are listening. I pray, uh, dear Elder, that the Lord will continue blessing you and your family and your ministry. Uh, we've been truly blessed. Uh, the reminder has been timely, and I know that every man who has listened to the message uh, will take something uh, to themselves, which they can apply uh, from this day going forward. Uh, we also want to thank all the men um, who have served from morning until now. I thank the men of uh, uh, Braintree, uh, men 
uh, of um, Basildon, men of Chelmsford, and also men of Malden, of all ages, young and old. We praise God for all your service today. And I'm praying that uh, it won't end here. We'll continue focusing on serving him who called us. And we can reconnect at all angles, knowing that uh, it was God's plan to call us to serve him as the message clearly indicated. Elder Emeka, thank you once again for your service, even uh, in Vespers, uh, those who attended Vespers uh, yesterday, we were truly blessed uh, by the way the Lord uh, used you. We also want to thank um, the ladies uh, for the prayers because every time we have events in the background, our wives, uh, sisters, aunties are praying for the success um, of the mission uh, that the men are engaged in. The ladies, we acknowledge you and we thank you for uh, your ongoing support uh, to all the men here. The visitors, thank you so much for attending. And I'm praying that uh, you also have taken something from the message today. Um, let us remember to come back at 3.30 uh, for the afternoon program as we continue um, enjoying what the main men's ministry has prepared for all of us. Thank you so much and God bless. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsels guide